I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. They say it takes a village to raise a child, and that's especially true when it comes to childcare. Not only do many of us have to go back to work, but many of us also need that external stimulation. We thrive on being both mothers, but also love our careers. We also know that children who are the recipients of good childcare thrive with a variety of carers. But therein lies the point. It all depends on how good your childcare is. How do you navigate the world of childcare successfully? How do you choose what's right for your precious child? And when do you intervene when you don't think it's working? With me today, I have childcare expert Sarah Reed, who's now head of safeguarding at Tiny, a childminder agency who trains experts to look after children in the cosy home setting. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on The Parenthood today. Thank you very much for having me. Really excited to be here. So one of the kind of quotes that always stuck with me as I became a parent is, uh, you're only ever as happy as your unhappiest child. <laughs> I think that sort of explains to me why childcare is so important. But talk to me about why, why it is so important to get the right, choose the right kind of childcare for your, for your child, for your situation. Um, I mean, it's important for, for the whole family, really. It's important for, for parents to feel that they've found the right childcare for their child. It's important, particularly for the child, to make sure that they feel comfortable, relaxed, happy within a childcare environment. There's so much research that, that demonstrates that, that children have who have good early years experiences, good childcare experiences will go on to thrive throughout the, the rest of their lives as well. So, so it's important for, for children to have that good grounding, that good foundation in terms of their kind of learning and development, but also very important in terms of their well-being and, and for parents for their well-being as well. Because as, as you quite rightly said there, it's, it's really important for, for parents to feel comfortable, to be able to go to work and, and know that their child is safe and cared for and is happy. I know that sort of saying goodbye to your child is always hard. But if you even have an inkling that they're not that happy, it's just so difficult. And speaking from experience, like you can go out to work or go and try and achieve something with the best will in the world. But if there's a nagging feeling at the back of your mind that maybe your child isn't happy in the environment or isn't thriving in the environment, it's really, really difficult to kind of put your mind to anything. 
It really is. I think, you know, we, we all struggle, don't we, if we're not feeling comfortable and, and that's, that's reflected in the, the situation for the child as well. So if they're going into a setting and they're not feeling comfortable, they're not going to be able to, to focus on their, their learning, which essentially in the early years is, is their play. And that could, could have an impact on their development. And you're absolutely right for parents as well, going into the workplace, feeling that their child isn't comfortable, then, then that's not a good, a good grounding for them to be able to have a focused day and be able to do the work that they want to do as well. And flipping on the other side, you know, when you see your child skip off into a different environment and come back bursting with, I did this today and I can't wait. It just, it's the most amazing thing, isn't it? It really is, isn't it? And when they come out at the end of the day and they're full of stories to tell and things like that, 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 you know, about the fun day that they've had. And you've got that, you know, you're you're having that conversation with your your childcare provider, whoever that, that might be, about how happy and how excited that child's been throughout the course of the day. You know, that's, there's nothing like it is there and and I remember when when my own children were were little and and seeing them come out of nurseries and schools and things with with that kind of happy sunshiny sort of uh, disposition that's it makes such a difference and it you know it makes it makes everything okay yeah it does really important I mean I also think from talking thinking you know my children are now um nine and ten it, it was also important for me to have, you know, them looked after by someone who knew a bit about children, because as much as being a parent is about keeping your children safe, it's also about teaching them about the world and often teaching them boundaries. I think my experience, children thrive on kind of boundaries, like they're testing mm. that water the whole time. Can I do that? Is it okay to do that? Is it okay to behave like this? And I felt that good childcare taught my help my children with that sort of consistency of what I was trying to achieve at home but also taught me quite a lot we had a a wonderful um, nanny who who worked with us for a few years when the children were little and it was just brilliant having someone who could you know look at my children's behavior look at how I dealt with it and you know in a very appropriate way to say you know we could I could say listen I'm really struggling with this what do you think we could have this sort of collaborative discussion about how we were going to resolve certain issues and I felt that that enabled me to be a much better parent to my children. Definitely. And I think that's really one of the key factors when, when choosing childcare, whichever type of childcare you do um, choose, is that you do find someone that you're able to have that professional relationship with, but you are able to have those conversations around, you know, how do we work with this? How do we support the behaviour here? How do we ensure that these boundaries are, are kept? And, and, you know, so, that, I mean, there's, there's many different forms of, of childcare and, and early experiences for children, uh, but, but really they're the kind of conversations that you want to be having with with your potential childcare provider even before you've started there just so that you know that you are both going to be on the same page that you both have the the child's best interests in at heart in terms of setting those boundaries and, and keeping those boundaries and if you choose childcare that might be external from your home so potentially not a nanny a, a childminder or a nursery that you're able to have those conversations about how that looks in both of those different places how that how those boundaries are at home and how they are within the childcare setting as well they're, they're really important conversations to have because of how important that is for the child and and again uh, enables them to, to settle in and remain settled within that provision. Yeah, I've I've got to say also being around people with experience of children, I think when you're a parent, so much of what happens takes you by surprise, but you're also so emotionally invested in your child that when they sort of slam the door and say, I hate you, it's so much more difficult not to take that to heart. Mm. And, And if you've got someone professional there who's got experience 
And they can, you can say, oh, God, do they really hate me? And they can go, this is normal two-year-old behavior. Actually, this is what they're trying to do. They're, try, they're just showing that, you know, they love you so much, they want to see that you're going to come back, or whatever that experience is. And certainly as a parent, I felt that sort of emotional perspective with the experience was just such a reassuring thing to have rather than sort of taking these little blips to heart. Definitely. And that it is so personal. They're, they're your they're your most precious thing, aren't they? Your children, you know, and, and you you want to make sure they love you as much as you love them, uh, which of course they do. But yeah, it's that reassurance. And also the fact that your childcare provider, your your nanny, your childminder, whoever it is, they know your children, they get to know them. You, you are your child's first and most enduring educator, you always will be you are the most important educator in your child's life. But having somebody by your side, if you like, on your team, I guess, that that knows your child really well as well and wants to do the best for them and wants to care for them and wants to make sure that they're getting it right for them as well. And and offering you that support, that advice, that guidance is, is definitely really reassuring as a parent. So Sarah, let's talk about what's available, because I think that's often a question that, you know, people will decide on what kind of childcare is appropriate for them without necessarily the full knowledge of what is available. So um, let's talk about what is available in the UK so that because obviously all of us have different lives, different needs, different circumstances, and we are really lucky to be living in a time when there are lots of options available to us. So, so what's available, Sarah? Well, there's lots of different options available. And I suppose that the first thing to, to just address is that there is formal childcare options and, and informal childcare options. So so just to pay sort of a reference to informal childcare options, which a lot of families do need and do use, that's sort of grandparents and close relatives or family friends that, that might be um, caring for the child. Uh, and now, is, that, is that based on whether or not you pay them or whether or not they've got um, some kind of qualification? Yeah, it's generally more around the qualification. If you're, if you are paying for any type of childcare, um, so if there's any type of reward, then and and unless it's a nanny in your own home, then that that provision needs to be registered. So unless it's a, a relative or you know a close relative of the child, then they don't need to be registered. But any other care that happens in your home, if you're paying for it, um, they would need to be registered. So the care would be much more formal. The exception there is nannies because obviously they're they're looking after children in the parents' home, in your home. And so they, there is a voluntary registration for, for nannies, but it's not obligatory. So when I say formal, informal care, sorry, I'm talking more about the kind of the grandparent, close relative care, uh, usually not for payment, although I know some people do pay relatives, but, uh, but doesn't have to be registered essentially and usually I mean the, the, the pros for, for that type of care is that you do have that usually have that good bond with the child and there's that sort of family home environment and hours to suit often but it's obviously also so nice to have someone looking after your child because they really want to as opposed to them being paid them for it too, which yeah. is not to say that if you pay someone that they're not going to then be be looked at but it is there is you know obviously that yeah, there's, there's something lovely I, I love seeing the kind of relationship between my mother and my my children and there is that yeah. love there Absolutely. And I suppose that there is a bit of a flip side to that as well, though, that if a grandparent is looking after a child potentially full time, do you lose out on that that sort of separate grandparent grandchild relationship? It, it could it could in cases, not always, of course, but it could flip that relationship a bit if the, the grandparent becomes the carer on a, you know, on a fairly 
hefty basis I guess if there's lots of hours involved so it's, that's that's definitely something to, to consider there as well because yeah there's such a special relationship isn't there between grandparents and grandchildren and I certainly it, it was fantastic watching my my own children with with my parents as well and I wouldn't want to have to have jeopardized the way that relationship was so I think that's something to consider um, and presumably also- that could look like too you know sharing the childcare with a friend so you know let's say it's a kind of regular play date that on a Tuesday your kids go around to the, I mean we're talking in COVID times that's not going to happen right now but um during you know usually your kids could go around to theirs on a Tuesday and then on a Thursday they come around to yours so that you know especially when they get a bit older that's something that's quite nice as a sort of regular swapping way of of definitely yeah that sort of reciprocal care yeah, and that, that works really well in, in some cases as well. And again, that's often really nice for the children because they've probably got some sort of friendship struck up anyway between them. So nice that they can can spend additional time with each other. So yeah, absolutely something that, that can be. Um, but obviously, if there is any reward or payment, then it would need to be formalised. And so that person would need to be registered as a childminder. But that reciprocal care arrangement it is fine to do that without reward. And how do you re- how do you register someone as a childminder? Is that a sort of logistical bureaucratic thing? Do you have to pay for it? How does that work? So there's well, the, a childminder. Anyone who wants to be registered as a childminder has a choice to either be registered with a childminder agency, such as Tiny, as you mentioned at the beginning, or with Ofsted, who are the government expe- inspectorate. I say the government linked inspectorate, I guess. So they are regulated and inspected by either Ofsted or a childminder agency. There is a process to go through. It means that if you're registered as a childminder, you do need to have a certain level of knowledge about what's called the EYFS or Early Years Foundation Stage. And that's around children's play, learning and development in those years between birth to five. You also need to have things like insurance in place, public liability insurance, you need to have first aid qualifications and you need to be trained in safeguarding. So what you'd need to do if you had concerns about a child. So and how long does that whole process take? Is it something um, that's done quickly or? If if you're with Tiny, then it's done very nice and quickly. We, we um, really encourage, what we've really found is that because we deliver the training and we get our childminders to our newly registered childminders to learn lots of information in those early days it is really important that that kind of that knowledge retains because obviously once you're working with children as a childminder it's much easier to to retain that knowledge because you're kind of on the job if you like so you're, you're working with it so we get those processes done as quickly as possible but obviously as safely as possible because we need to run background checks and dbs checks and things on our prospective childminders to make sure that they're safe to work with children and they need to prepare their homes get them ready carry out risk assessments make sure all sorts of safety features are in place stair gates fire blankets etc before they can be registered and then we'll go and visit them so our processes are a lot shorter than if they were to register with Ofsted and I think that's that some of that's around the bureaucracy actually that that it does take that much longer um, and we invest a lot of support so uh, uh, for a childminder register with with time we ask for a £100 deposit, which we give back as soon as the, the childminder is working, got, got placements, we, we'll uh, take that from their first fee, because basically we take a percentage fee from any parent fees that they 
they receive. However, if you want to register with Ofsted, the costs, that's, and that's the only cost that's incurred pretty much, apart from some GPs request payment for a GP check that they have to have. But other than that, there's no upfront costs. It's a, a fee that's paid to Tiny further on down the line once they're working. Anywhere else, if you, if you register with Ofsted, then you do have to pay quite a lot of upfront fees in terms of uh, GBS you know what, checks. What that, that amount is? Not, uh, it will depend, it varies from local authority to local authority. It varies where you access your training. But ballpark um, figure, do you have an idea? You'd probably be looking at about, probably about five, four or five hundred pounds, I think, to, to set up initially, plus the cost of getting your home ready, which is for, for any child minder. So this so. is obviously for a, for a child minder who, you know, you have children in your home that you look after. If you are, yes. you know, informal child care that, you know, you just want to be registered as in the client's home, is that a shorter and easier process? Yeah, if you want to register as a, a nanny, uh, and as I mentioned earlier, that's a voluntary registration, so you don't have to be registered as a nanny, but uh, a, a lot of parents actually prefer their nannies to be registered because it means that you can access some of the tax benefits, you know, for, for childcare, tax-free childcare and things like that if you've got registered provision. So nannies then, don't, there's, there's no requirement to train through the EYFS or anything like that, so therefore there's no cost of ongoing cost of training training. If you do register, you you likely will need to, either the parent or the nanny will need to pay for things like DBS checks, which come up at around £70 for, for a DBS check usually. Uh, so yes, it's, it's a lot, it's a, a much cheaper option, but obviously that, that then, you're then working as a nanny with that one family or potentially yeah. Well, it's two very different share. things, you know, depending yeah. on what people want. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So back to what, what um, childcare is available. So there's obviously informal childcare that we talked about. What does formal childcare look like? What, what, what are so the options there? So formal childcare, potentially the, the main types are childminder, a nanny or nursery provision. So day nursery provision. And that, so they're the the main types I would say for in this country for for parents um, okay so let's start starting with a nanny so a nanny is someone that works exclusively for you in your home looking after your kids absolutely yes and you know lots of kind of benefits the they're normally employed to care for the child, normally employed by you as a parent to, to care for the child. I mean, a massive pro is this individualised care and some of the things that you were, were talking about earlier about how important it is to have that, that really good professional relationship with your childcare provider. It's from your own home, from the child's own home as well. So you've, 
that the child's got their own belongings there, their own home comforts. They know where everything is. It feels comfortable. That's that's a real benefit as well. You can choose and employ your nanny. So so you've got a really a, a good choice of of options, making sure that the fit's really right for you children can participate so so older children potentially um, can participate in sort of extracurricular activities your nanny can take them to I don't know ballet classes or or cubs or whatever it is that perhaps you wouldn't get in other types of of childcare. they can do drop-offs and pick up so it's nice for siblings siblings obviously will remain together if you've got younger ones and older ones and they're, they're they're a really great individualised uh, childcare option. Individual the downsiders child- are the most expensive option, aren't they? Generally, yes, and that, that was what I was coming on to mm-hmm. next. Just, just as well, a couple of more, couple of positives for um, individual care. So both nannies and childminders, uh, in terms of research, it's actually been shown that the positive effects of children being in individualised care is that they have increased vocabulary and verbal ability, fewer emotional symptoms, and better what we call behavioural self-regulation so they're better able to to manage their 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 feelings and to self-regulate so i think they're they're quite important pros i guess of Mm -hmm. you know in terms of children's early learning and development as well but Mm -hmm. yeah um, that you're right it is the most expensive form of of childcare and nanny and actually that can be out of the ballpark for for many parents it can be something that's that's not achievable so would need to look for other options and obviously Um, you know when we're talking figures the cost does vary hugely across different jobs across different areas of the country but if you were to give our listeners a sort of vague ballpark figure of what they need to be thinking about for let's say a full-time nanny five days a week what what sort of uh, amount are we talking about the average take-home salary for a live-in nanny, so so if your nanny stays with you, ranges, and as you say, broadly average, so I'll just put that caveat in here, ranges from about £300 to £350 a week, depending on where you live, of course. Uh, day nannies, so nannies that come in on a daily basis, between can charge between £400 and £475 a week. And some parents do offer other benefits to, to nannies, you know, use of a car, gym memberships, things like that. Uh, I guess what you also need to remember with the nannies is the fact that you're employing them usually. So there's those employment benefits as well that you've got to, to think about as additional costs are things like pensions, etc., sick, yeah, sick pay. So using the PAYE, exactly. So that actually when we say take home salary of 470, it's more likely to cost you 600 plus pounds a week, isn't it? Once you factor in the national insurance contributions, which, you know, is Indeed. a legal requirement and something I feel really strongly that, you know, people, employers should should really acknowledge, well, they need to acknowledge absolutely yeah and i think that that's really important and so it's you know that that's something that definitely needs to be considered and things like maternity leave sick cover as well because you are essentially an employer for this person okay and then going kind of down the list we've got the next one i wanted to talk about with childminders which obviously we talked about uh, briefly before mm. but essentially the idea is that this is a qualified individual who's and you send your child to their home and they look after small groups of children um, in their sort of home environment, but it is not the child's home. 
That's absolutely right. Yes. Yeah. So the, the benefits there, again, it's that, that small individualised care. And I think I, I gave some of the, the positives there in terms of children's educational uh, side of things. But I guess also what we need to think about in, in these COVID times is that actually having smaller bubbles of children, smaller groups of children is, uh, can be really beneficial and can feel much safer and reassuring for parents. So I think that's and I guess a, a, one of the, the benefits of, of child minding too is that, you know, your child has other children to interact with and yet it's not a big enough group for them to get you know what what, what is the size usually of of, uh, of a group looking after by a childminder so um, one childminder is allowed to look after six children under the age of eight of which three are what we call can be what we call young children so that's under fives essentially preschool age pre-reception class and only one baby under one so so the the ratios are small and it is that you know you, you're still children are still able to get that one-to-one care but actually you have got a larger group of children perhaps than in a, a na- in your own home as with a nanny so you do get those those benefits of being sociable and uh, I actually child minded myself uh, for a number of years when my own children were small and the benefits that they they got from from interacting with children of all different ages you know so some school age some babies and with the parents and grandparents and, and aunties who picked up the children as well so I think there was uh, I always found for all of the children my own children and those in my care th- those benefits of, of uh, being able to, to communicate and socialize with with different people of different ages was was a massive benefit for for, for all of the children there. Well, it's also quite nice for you to kind of earn money while you cook after your children. But I mean, I think all of us parents will agree it's often easier looking after more children than fewer children because they've got each other to play with, especially as they get Absolutely. a bit older. Yes, definitely. And they, they you know, bounced ideas off, off of each other. They got they, they made new friends. They had um, good relationships. They learned things like how to share and how to take turns those kind of social skills and they all felt very comfortable and familiar in that home setting it it, it always felt it always felt very kind of obviously it was my home but it felt very homely to them as well and again that's one of the reasons I think that parents choose home-based childcare because they 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 do get the the kind of home from home benefits the fact that the children do feel so relaxed and comfortable and part of a community lots of opportunities again perhaps not so much at the moment with covid but you know in in hopefully what will be normal times in the near future she says fingers crossed and in terms of cost what again is sort of do you pay by the hour how does that work uh, yeah, generally hourly rates for, for childminders, although they do, some do charge, so, you know, if you've got a full-time child, they'll charge a weekly or a daily rate. Um, again, it varies greatly, and these are broadly average figures that, that I'll quote to you now. So, and, and varies as well, depending on full-time or part-time. But looking at this, these figures for, for 2019 in a london childminder was round about six pound 38 an hour on average although i have i've known childminders in some parts of london that are charging up to sort of you know eight eight pounds eight pounds fifty so so as i say this is a very average figure outer london 575 an hour for part-time and the average across the country brings it down to £4.53. But again, you see some much lower rates in some parts of the country where, where cost of living is perhaps a lot less. So, so yeah, just um, do want to say how kind of average that is. And then in terms of weekly costs, 
roughly. So childminder, inner London, £159 roughly. Outer London, about 144 And across the country, the average there goes right down to 113 So as I say, I hope that, that gives a bit of a flavour, but do just bear in mind that that could be considerably higher in some parts of London, for example. And presumably then, unlike with the nannies, that quoted cost is the absolute cost to you. You're not having to worry about additional costs, the insurance, the PAYE. Yeah, absolutely. In in the majority of cases, that is the cost. That you have some childminders that might charge separate costs for for extras. So, for example, if they're taking children on a, a big outing to the the farm or something like that, and there's an entrance fee, they might charge extra for something like that. But again, that's something that that would be negotiated and spoke spoken to with parents before a contract is put in place. And you would have a contract with your childminder that lays out exactly what the fees are and what additional things that they're paying for if anything and uh, what are the kind of you know these are all real positives it's cheaper it's the lovely kind of home environment it's small groups what would you say are the downsides of of childminding I think there's, I mean, one of the, the big things really is what do you, what happens if a childminder is sick or on holiday because that person is your, your childcare provision essentially. Uh, we've been doing a lot of work with that um, at Tiny and we're working on projects where we can get other some more of other of our registered childminders to to take on that care so that that doesn't happen so much but yeah particularly for Ofsted registered childminders that's something that that could be an issue um yeah because think- presumably unlike a nursery if you know if the, the child is sick in the nursery they will then find you know other people yeah, they'll to get agency staff or or they'll have bank staff or things to mm-hmm. to support with that yeah absolutely and presumably then if your child is sick too because you're going into someone else's home you know, your child can't go in. Whereas if you've got a nanny that comes to your home, even if your child's not feeling well, your nanny can still come and care for that child in their home environment. Indeed, yes. In either a, a childminding setting or a nursery setting, that would be the case. That if your child is, is sick, then then you wouldn't be able to bring the child because of risk of cross-infection to, to the other children and potentially to the, the childminder or nursery worker as well. So then they wouldn't be able to work. So yes, that's absolutely right. Yeah. it's. I, I suppose the other thing is that... and. Th- this is perhaps a perception more than than a generalization but it is very personal you're going into somebody else's home and so some parents may prefer to to look at nursery provision because that feels a bit more comfortable than somebody else another another parent normally looking yeah, after their, trust their that child person hugely don't you exactly yeah so i think i mean it's i would emphasize the professionalism of childminders here and and how important that is that they are regulated and they are, you know, they are inspected regularly, particularly if they they come under a childminder agency rather than Ofsted. But uh, but yes, I think that for for some parents they they feel more comfortable with a group setting, perhaps because of for those reasons, because it because of that kind of personal feeling of going in someone's home. And then um, going on to nurseries, which and mm-hmm. obviously to, to point out that there are different kind of nurseries. There's a sort of preschool nursery, which is the the you know early part of formal education. But then there are also childcare nurseries, where which are for parents that need specific ch- childcare but are in a kind of larger environment. Am I right? 
That's right. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so in nurseries, nurseries are usually they're they're all regulated again and inspect. All nurseries are inspected by Ofsted, and again, the the insurance will all be have to be in place, public liability insurance, etc. They are the staff there follow the early years foundation stage EYFS again. So they're they're providing a, an educational play based program for for children as well but you're right large larger numbers of staff and therefore larger numbers of children so normally separated in most nurseries they're separated into age rooms as well so you'd have the babies in one room and then toddlers in an in another room sort of two two to three year olds and then preschool so three and four year olds in another room so not so much mixing between the the different age ranges which is you know which can be a real benefit for children can be a really really good learning experience but really good social aspects in a in a nursery because obviously there's lots of opportunities for children to make friends with with other children Um, also loads of toys presumably too (laughs) yes absolutely lots of um, toys and resources there will be familiar routines for the children the premises are usually well thought out so you know they're often in in sort of purpose-built places or in homes that have been converted and they are built for that they're they're there for that purpose so you, you spoke a little bit about preschools and often they're perhaps in church halls and pack away settings where all the toys go away at the end of the day these are are left and resources are there for children to to easily access on a daily basis so so often well thought out with with children's interests and and needs in mind so so yeah again lots of 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 good points there and presumably to the time you know uh, parents will often have long working hours you know i know very few parents that get to leave work at 3 30 um (laughs) which is when most um other nurseries end presumably these nurseries have a bit more flexibility when it comes to dropping off and picking up yeah absolutely they're usually i mean the kind of standard i suppose hours are like eight till six but but nurseries do think about their their sort of general area so you know if they're they're in a an area where they know that people might have to travel further to work you know maybe they're commuting into a city or something like that they might open their doors at half past seven and close at half past six so so there is you know that that thought there I guess again not not quite as flexible as as potentially a, a nanny or even a childminder who could be uh, more flexible with parents and and needs there but, but I guess but more flexible when it comes to sickness because if the childcare provider is ill like we said right. you know they can, yeah, provide they can a, pick up on that not like your definitely. nanny going oh I've, you know three weeks of sickness which (laughs) (laughs) yeah and usually in nurseries they'll operate what's called a a key person system so the child will have a key person who'll be their adult that for example does their care routines usually and is the one that will be communicating with the parents about how that child's doing will make observations on on children's progress and development so so they will there will be a, a a point of contact if you like even though there are often lots of of different members of staff within a a room so so there is that but but the the ratios are are larger obviously in a nursery so in the baby room it's it's one adult to three babies in the toddler room the two-year-olds it's one to four and then in the preschool room it's one to eight with the three and four-year-olds and obviously you're talking about babies and I think for many of the listeners they'll sort of think oh baby going into that sort of setting where there's suddenly a lot of people and their needs are quite specific I mean you know babies sleep a lot how does that work in in a nursery environment 
Yeah, and well, personally, I would still, particularly with our very youngest children, you know, our, our under twos, I'd certainly um, recommend a more individualised form of care. I think it, it is more beneficial. But, you know, for, for some parents, they, they do prefer a nursery environment. And that's absolutely fine as well. So there's there's always facilities made for, for babies where there is a baby room in a nursery. There's and like a dark room with lots of cots. That, that, exactly. That's right. They've got appropriate cots for the children. They, they've got members of staff that will keep an eye on sleeping babies to make sure that they're okay to make sure that you know they're they're being checked regularly while they're sleeping so so yeah it, there, there are facilities available what what sometimes happens is that sleep time happens at the same time for all of those babies which can be tricky for for children who are, are in different routines and can't quite adapt to that which again in a in perhaps a, a with a nanny or, or with a childminder that can be a bit more flexible sometimes um, but then often I guess in... teaching them to be flexible is also something that's kind of good I suppose it just depends on the character of your child which of your child they are yeah. born with <laughs> absolutely and I think you know I, I guess with regards to routines that's perhaps more important for again the, the very youngest children that if you as a parent have have got a child into a routine that's working for them and it's helping them with things like sleeping at night and feeding and things like that um, you want to try and keep that as 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 stable as possible when a child goes into a, a different environment so definitely another conversation that you'd want to be having with whichever type of childcare provision you choose to use about your your baby's routines and you know when when sleep times and things are and when it comes to nurseries, how does the cost compare to childminding? Is it is it cheaper? Tend to it, with your child. It in tends an environment to be a little bit people? more expensive in a nursery, but I mean reasonably comparable. So in a, a nursery where we looked at the hourly costs for childminders and the the average in inner London was six pound thirty eight. In a nursery that's looking more like six, the average cost is six pound ninety eight, and then in outer London for a childminder five seventy five for a nursery six pound four on average uh, per yeah, so hour. So it's marginally more expensive. Yeah, so marginally more expensive, but not not hugely so. Um, okay. And then obviously, for if you, you know, for sort of very um, uh, flexible childcare, obviously, you can get babysitters. And that's obviously the employment of someone who comes and looks after your children in your own home, but it's not on a regular basis. It's, you know, if you need a bit of help one afternoon or evening, you're going out, whatever it is. That's um, right, yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely, if you were, were looking at babysitters, make sure that it's either someone you know and trust very much to look after your child or go through a, a formal babysitting agency where where b- the babysitters have been checked. Make sure that, you know, they're, they're professionals. A, a lot of um, babysitting agencies just work with professionals that have got like DBS checks and have got qualifications to look after children. So I'd recommend that you go somewhere like that. I mean, it's a really good kind of short time period option for parents or you know an ad hoc one-off basis evening if you're, you're going out for the evening or something and a good emergency option as well I guess. Yeah and you know I've spoken to quite a few parents who get babysitters while they're still at home and it just allows them a couple of hours off or you know how sometimes you just need to sit and get your admin done and you don't you know you, you're going to be in the house but you just don't want to be doing the building blocks and carrying the baby around and making sure they don't fall down the stairs and it's just 
just sometimes quite nice to have an extra pair of hands in the house. And and I suppose, you know, then you're sort of supervising that person too. Yeah. But you're just not having to do that kind of actually be there. I mean, I think any parent listening will know that your child knows the moment you're not focusing on them. The moment you're like, oh, I'll quickly respond to this email, but I'll pretend to play Lego. They know. They oh, absolutely they know. know. From a very, very young age, they know, don't they? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So that, yeah, certainly is something that, that you can have on a an ad hoc basis whilst you're there and you need to do, yeah. E- even if it's things like your, your home admin, you know, cause, because I, you know, I, I find for, for a lot of parents that it's, you know, you, you spend, you devote all the time when you're you're at home to to your children which is fantastic but actually there are other things that you do just have to get have to get done um, at some point as well so having that kind of flexible emergency type option when you need that is is really nice as well definitely well, and I also think and I know that to many it might sound really indulgent but parents need some time off and it like as mothers we're sort of almost conditioned to believe that looking after your child is a real privilege and it is it's amazing and being a parent is a real privilege but it is work and you know the problem is that we don't regard it as work so Mm. we sort of think you know you hear people who are working maybe flexibly three days a week you know their colleagues will go oh you've got a day off tomorrow and you're like I'm looking after a two-year-old that is not a day off (laughs) it's almost more (laughs) intense than a day at work Um, and and I do think that some reflection that looking after your children as 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 much of a privilege as it is it can still be really difficult and we're so used to before we have children you know we work and then we've got days off mm. and that's given no one makes us feel guilty for not working on a Sunday but with new parents I sort of always say see if you can have a bit of time where you're not looking after your kids but you're not necessarily having to work because there is day-to-day admin but also sometimes you just want to like have a bit of time off I think that's really important for our kind of overall happiness definitely and I think the analogy I think of there is that you can't can't if if uh, I always think of it in terms of a jug. If you by by having those little breaks and and nurturing yourself a bit, I guess you know if it is just a soak in the bath or whatever that you need to do, just relax with a book or something. A couple of hours off, you're you're filling up your jug, aren't you? And then you're able to then give much more, pour your jug into to your children. The glass is there because you've got your your full and you're you're content and you're relaxed and your well-being is sorted out and then you're able to to communicate that to your children and and your parenting is actually much more effective then because you have managed to do that so so if you have options and and ability to do that then I would always encourage that as a parent yeah definitely definitely you need it everybody needs it we talked about you know the the checks that you need to ensure to make sure that you know everything is safe but when you're looking for child care talking more about you know trying to find the right person and the right fit what would you be looking for in a person in an environment beyond kind of all this bureaucratic stuff that you know is there to make sure that it's safe I'd recommend um not not necessarily going for the first person you find I think you know go go and visit different childminders or have different nannies come and, and see you and, and interview with you um, or go to different yeah, nurseries. Because often we're so, so, so grateful at the prospect of <laughs> getting yeah, the children off our yes, hands for yes, a little like, yes, yes, this is going to work brilliantly. That, you know, you're right. That kind of a fear that you're not going to find somebody and you've got to go back to work and, and you've got this start date you know there these are very real things for parents but I would say you know give give some time to it see some different people and and a lot of it is instinct you're you I mean we we know in life don't we 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 click with some people better than we click with others so 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 
your instinct as a parent is is really important seeing how if you're you know if you're taking a child to a setting like a nursery or a childminder seeing how staff there interact with your child see how your you know if your child goes off and plays with something do they feel comfortable so see how your child is within that environment that's really important as well because essentially you're going to be be leaving them there for periods of time Um, and also I suppose that understanding that you know, there's not a one size fits all. I think one of the biggest mistakes we make as parents is like, we gave birth to a baby and babies are all the same and they are not. They're so different. So and children different. are so different. And a bit like us humans, some people love that really stimulating environment where there's lots going on and there's lots of toys and there's lots of people. And they're like, yes, this is me. I love it. But you could very well have a sibling who's like, I just need a bit more cuddle and a bit more one-to-one time and a bit more of a relaxed environment. And so that sort of recognition that, you know, just because one child thrived in a nursery or in a a, you know it doesn't mean that your next child is going to and sort of understanding they have very specific needs and and personality quirks and responding to those gosh yes really so important absolutely and I think I, I always think of the the whoever the person who's going to be looking after your your child they are the most important resource so actually you could have a, a nursery full of wonderful toys and resources but actually if if the staff within it are not you know are not talking to and responding to and interacting with your child then that's probably not the right place but yes every child is very different and and what fits fits one sibling will not fit another I quite agree and yeah it's about and you know your you as parents know your children really really well you know them the best so you know what is going to be a good fit for them and I, I guess just just making sure you are informed about the different types of of childcare and and having that knowledge and seeing different people but remembering that the, the best resource there is, the, is those people and, and the way that they are and the way that they interact with children. And, you know, in the majority of cases, in, in all types of settings, most of those people absolutely are in it because they really love working with children and they really want to, to, make, to do the best for children. So I think you will be able to see that and you'll know in a person if, if they've got that kind of intrinsically and, and that will feel really comfortable. Yeah. And I suppose spending the time to get it right. I just like speaking from experience, it can be so rewarding seeing your child so happy, thrive in someone else's company. And and I do think, you know, some parents sort of think, oh, God, they're spending more time with a childminder than me. And maybe they love them more than me. And you sort of feel this sort of insecurity. But I do think seeing your child have a great time in a different environment is something that not only is really rewarding for you, but will is brilliant for them. Um, but conversely, leaving that house and leaving your child with someone that you're just not quite sure about or an environment that you're not sure is right for them it's something that just will drag you down it's it's so difficult to get on with your day isn't it that's right yes I I think you mentioned earlier you know not being afraid to to change I guess so if if that is the feeling that you're getting if you've chosen somewhere and your child is in provision that you thought was right and and you know there's nothing wrong with that you are able to change your mind you are able to to terminate a contract with that person and and find somewhere else for for the child that that's going to be a better fit there's there's nothing wrong with doing that and that's you know that's your absolute right as a parent to be able to do that as well and and make sure that you you do feel comfortable and you do have those days where you're thinking oh gosh my child is so happy in that setting and having such a wonderful time and not those days where you're thinking I've got to go and pick them up because actually I can't stand to to think of them being there and they're not happy. 
Mm. I always recommend for women that are returning to work or parents who are returning to work, it's worth starting that childcare before you return to work so that you can leave and just know that it's working so that by the time you are then expected to return to work, you sort of like they're they're settled and so that you can then focus on work. There's just nothing worse than sort of leaving your child not knowing and then suddenly you can't leave or you're having to let people down if you're going to have to sort of change the childcare. Yeah, I'd agree. Totally recommend that. Yeah, just just have that. Most nurseries and, and childminders will have some some settling in, uh, some sort of settling in period anyway. So yeah, doing that before you actually go back to work is is a huge benefit to make sure that that yeah, when you when when it's your first day back at work, um, and there's all sorts of other things going on that you've got to try. You know, getting ready for work in the morning is 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 a breeze when you haven't got children. Getting ready for work in the morning when you have a a, a small child on your hands, uh, let alone two, is is much more challenging. So I, so yeah, you, making... my experience is that you have to be ready by the time they're up because oh totally. Otherwise... <laughs> yeah. I had a friend and she was like trying to put her makeup on while her son was like crawling around the bathroom and he like fell and hit himself and she was like oh my god this is so stressful right I have to be ready to walk out the door by the time I wake them up absolutely yes yeah and and obviously um when children leave their parents it can often be quite emotional and that doesn't necessarily mean that they are really unhappy with the childcare that's provided it's just that it's an emotional thing leaving mm. your parent how much of that sort of sadness at them leaving and crying do you sort of assume is par for the core? Uh, and, you know, where, when do you recognise that maybe you do need to look into changing it? Again, some of this is about how about you knowing your child and, and their kind of their emotional needs and whether you think that that it could, because you could probably recognise whether they, they are doing it because it's an attention thing or it's something that they do at the start of every day because that kind of almost becomes part of their routine you you'll see that you can also have conversations with your childcare provider ask them to just perhaps send you a, a quick message or a text or even a photo to show that they're you know happy and settled sort of 10 minutes later which which often does happen but if you you know if you've got a child who isn't settling in a particular setting and is having difficulties and is crying and is emotional all the time that's really difficult for you as a parent to leave them and so I would say you know don't I wouldn't leave it too long but give it a period of time children do need time to settle so give it a few weeks but if they're still not settling then have a chat um, uh, well even within that those two weeks keep talking keep communicating with your childcare provider about what strategies you can put in place and things but yeah if, if it's moving in to, to more than a few weeks then that's something you probably need to readdress and think actually is this the right right place for my child again I mean obviously it's an expensive business um, uh, you're paying for someone to look after your children and I know a lot of parents struggle with that sort of tallying up I work this amount I pay this much income tax and then what's over basically goes to go and pay for the childcare I'm, I'm not really earning anything there are government schemes that help with the cost of childcare what what is available to to parents so for all parents of children up to the age of 11 there's something which is called tax-free childcare 
And this is a scheme, a government scheme that has replaced what some of you may be familiar with, uh, childcare vouchers in the past. But this is the, the, the latest scheme. It's for, for working families, including self-employed families in the UK. And it's, and where, it's not means tested. It's available for everyone, is it? It's, it's available for, it's, it's sort of means tested, but not hugely. So it's, uh, you need to be earning, un, both, both parents need to be earning under a hundred thousand a year. And you need, but you need to be earning at least a hundred £39 per week, which is equal to 16 hours at the national minimum or living wage. Sorry, that sounds a bit complicated, but essentially, as long as you're earning the minimum wage of 16 hours a week, how much that amounts to, which I think is around about £139, then you're eligible and at the upper end, under 100000 So it is means tested to some degree, but, but not hugely. The majority of working parents in this country can access that for children aged up to 11. And what happens is you pay into an online account with the HMRC and for every £8 that you pay into the online account, the government will add an extra, will top that up with an extra £2 for up to £2,000 per child per year so that's a, a, a nice that, and that's called tax-free childcare. so essentially the, the government are paying the tax on the childcare. but then and how for, do you find out more about that do you just google search for tax-free child care and it yes it's all on the childcare choices website so www.childcarechoices.gov.uk and gov is gov because it's a government-run website all of these schemes can be found on here and there's also a calculator to check for eligibility as well so you can go on put in your your earnings your partner's earnings if if you have a partner and see if you're eligible for any of these schemes that that i'm talking about the one that everybody is eligible for 15 hours of uh free funded childcare for all families in england not not the rest of the uk this is uh, england based it'll be different in in the other nations so for all families in england with three and four year old children you're entitled to 15 hours of free childcare or early education for 38 weeks of the year which is a total of 570 hours per year and if some so for example if a child was going to the nursery class at a school then that would be term time only and they'd go in sort of 15 hours a week at the school if for example that uh, a parent wanted to use that in a day nursery provision or something like that a lot of day nurseries and childminders will stretch that funding over the 52 weeks so they're using fewer hours per week essentially but but you get the the benefit across the the course of the year unfortunately if you're with a a nanny that's not something that they can offer because they're not registered not necessarily registered childcare only on the voluntary register and then also for three and four year old children um, there's what we call the 30 hours funding and this is uh, means tested for working families in England and that's same the same criteria as the tax-free childcare in terms of the the lower earnings and the higher earnings and that means that in addition to that that free 15 hours that everybody gets it's an additional 15 hours of funded early education for 38 weeks of the year so a total of 1,140 hours and then for two year olds for families in England re- receiving some forms of support so where, where, where there's more disadvantage and you have a two-year-old you can potentially access apply to access 15 hours of free childcare or early education for 38 weeks a year for your two-year-old. Sarah it's been great to chat to you it's, it's great to talk to someone with so much knowledge just tell me quickly um, if people are interested in tiny and accessing either becoming a childminder themselves or using the facilities provided by a childminder where do they find out more? 
Um, they can just go straight onto our website, which is tiny.co, www.tiny.co. And there's a form there that they can, an online form that they can apply to become a childminder if they want to. And we'll go through all the processes with them and have conversations with them there. If they want to look for childcare, then there's an option on the website to see our our lovely childminders that we work with at the moment all their profiles so you just put in your your location just to caveat we are just london based at the moment but we are about to move into further afield geographically across uh, england great sarah thank you so much for your time i hope you no all found that all. helpful <laughs> I hope they do. And thank you all for downloading this episode of The Parenthood. You can subscribe, rate and review wherever you found this podcast. You can also follow me. I'm on Instagram at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, from Sarah and me, thanks for listening and goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.